part two of our discussing the many reasons given for Mormon polygamy next on Polygamy, What Love Is This? A few years ago, we reviewed a book entitled The Ghost of Eternal Polygamy, and it was written by Carol Lynn Pearson. And you can watch those programs at the link on the screen, whatloveisthis.tv, episodes uh, 944 and 945. This is part two of a revisit of her book discussing the why of Mormon polygamy in the first place. Now, contemporary contemporary LDS folks have contrived many error-filled answers to explain away the embarrassment of early Mormon polygamy, and they are, in some sense, kind of embarrassed about it. But then the author herself is a Mormon, and she points out some of the nonsensical and illogical answers that they have used to defend the polygamy of the early Mormon church. In her book, she asks the question, what purpose did polygamy serve? And then she lists 14 standard answers that have been given to that question. Now, we, of course, add our own insights and our two cents worth as we discuss these uh, excuses um, and the teachings and the practice of Mormon polygamy. We covered nine of the answers of the 14 answers in part one, and we'll conclude this time with answers 10 through 14 of the question, the why of Mormon polygamy. So the ninth answer is this. Polygamy is too sacred for most people to understand. It is gospel meat, and most of us can only receive milk. Most of us can only receive milk, <laughs> right? Now, that I, I call that a cop-out oh, answer. Yeah. I think it is. They dodge the issue using the, the meat versus the milk scenario, suggesting that the topic is just too deep for the normal member to be able to understand. But the normal member has to practice. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. Uh, but really, they don't know how to answer it. Mm-hmm. They, they really don't. For, and as far as it's being too sacred for most people to understand, can't they grasp the contradiction? of polygamy and holiness, polygamy and God's command against adultery, and God's call to honesty. So they just say it's too sacred to discuss. Well, God himself is extremely sacred, and they talk about him. He's more (laughs) sacred than polygamy. Polygamy is not a sacred topic in any sense of the term. News reports just in the last decade revealing the rapes, the child marriages, the cheating the government, lying in court, food stamp fraud, and so many other crimes committed by polygamists prove it's far from being sacred. And those crimes are committed by their leaders. They attempt to keep them secret, but they're not sacred. Unfortunately, the writer of this book said that we cannot understand the sacredness of polygamy until we arrive in heaven. She said that several times through her book, but we can. We have those answers. We have them here and now, and they are in the Bible for anyone to find out for themselves. Excuse me. The 10th answer to why. (laughs) (laughs) Polygamy produces healthier children and thus a superior society. Those who are more fit physically and spiritually, would create a superior breed, a chosen people prepared for the second coming of the Lord. Now, this answer, again, is is, appalling. It is. It's (laughs) it's filled with misleading ideas. It is appalling. I agree. I I cringe at this one. I didn't know how to respond when I read that quote. I'm like, (laughs) this is eugenics. Mm -hmm. 
This mm -hmm. is religious eugenics. It is. I'm made by on God. He says the, that. Isn't he? The, the, the Mormon historian, B.H. Roberts, mm -hmm. said that it was in the name of a divinely ordered species of eugenics that the Latter-day Saints accepted plurality mm -hmm. of wives. Divine eugenics. Yet several times in the Bible, God tells us he shows no favoritism mm -hmm. and commands us to also show no favoritism. That we are all created from one blood. We are all equal and we are all equally sinners. Are we to believe that God introduced some divine eugenics based on polygamy? It was God who said not to commit adultery and to abstain from sexual immorality. She also mentioned several secular studies that have been done on polygamous societies in various countries, each study concluding that polygamy is detrimental. That's hardly in the category of sacred. We quote from page 61. Polygamy is also known to create problems with inbreeding. Salt Lake City's Deseret News reported in 2006 that Warren Jeff's FLDS community, whose members were allowed to marry only within the group to keep the blood pure, were experiencing a shocking health problem. Scientists knew of only 13 cases of fumarase deficiency in the entire world until 20 more victims were identified, all within a few blocks of each other on the Utah-Arizona border. Fumarase deficiency is an enzyme irregularity that causes severe mental retardation, epileptic seizures, and other cruel effects that leave children nearly helpless. Their IQs average about 25. And this is divine eugenics? Mm. I mean, who, what, who, what kind of backwards. God are they dealing with here? And, and they're, of course, talking about the FLDS community on the uh, Hilldale, Utah, and Colorado City, Arizona border. Uh, but can they really believe that God ordered a divine eugenics that would create such a nightmare and birth, uh, or birth defects? Uh, and there are birth defects, of course, that occur in every single polygamy group that the normal population rarely experience. I can't give details because of privacy issues, but I spoke with someone from a children's hospital floor explaining the many babies and children who come through there that are from polygamy. And she talked about the atrocious damage of birth defects that they deal with in huge numbers. This is not divine is heartbreaking. eugenics. Is it is heartbreaking. heartbreaking. Uh, so instead of a superior society, instead of divine eugenics, the opposite has happened. And to make God the author mm -hmm. of this kind of and quantity of birth defects is nothing less than defamation of God's love and holiness. It reminds me of something Jesus said. Mm. He said this in Matthew 13, 14 and 15. In them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. You will be ever hearing, but never understanding. You'll be ever seeing, but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears and they've closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts and turn and I would heal them. And there you go. There you go. That's very simple. Jesus is so simple in his message. And of course, this concept can easily be applied uh, to, uh, to those who believe polygamy came from a loving God. Remember, Jesus said those on the side of truth will we'll listen, listen to, to him. Mm -hmm. They don't understand the truth and they don't, they don't want to hear. A lot of them don't even want to hear it. And many whom I've talked uh, don't even want to discuss. They don't even want to consider that what they believe isn't true. There are many academic and other polygamous studies that were presented in the Canadian legality case, and every report 
testified that polygamy violates the dignity of women, discriminates against women, undermines social structure, social freedom, and democracy, and is harmful for, ch for, for children. So how can we accept B.H. Roberts and his unscientific and ungodly statement that polygamy is divine eugenics for the Latter-day Saints? Let's go to answer number 11. Polygamy made certain that the church stayed in the limelight year after year so lots of people would know about us. Now that one made me mad. I guess there's no such thing as bad publicity. <laughs> no, any publicity is good publicity. <laughs> Again, B.H. Roberts maintained that polygamy was a blessing in disguise. Talk to some of the polygamous wives disguise. and see that. Yeah. yeah, pretty thick disguise. That's good. That it contained a publicity value because it kept the Mormon message before legislatures and presidents and courts and leaders of other countries. So their PR is more important than the hurt and the pain and the devaluation of females who would rather have had a monogamous marriage. Is their PR more important than humanitarian issues? What love is this? It surely doesn't illustrate or, Im or imitate the love of God. With them, it seems like that the end justifies the means. Unfortunately, the author, being LDS, lists several good things the Mormons have done that would be better publicity than polygamy ever could be. But Jesus didn't say we would be recognized by our works. He said we would be recognized by our love. He said our works that are seen by others should glorify God, not the Mormon church. And how does lying and cheating and devaluing other humans and breaking the laws of the land and the law of adultery, how does that glorify God? So again, it challenges polygamists with the question, what love is this polygamy? It surely does not illustrate or imitate the love of God. It's sad that this author and so many thousands of other followers of uh, Joseph Smith don't understand that from the very beginning, when Joseph Smith claimed God gave a commandment to live polygamy, that in and of itself proves he was a fraud. How can they still believe he was a true prophet? Yet the same breath insists that certain of his doctrines were wrong and should be deleted. God doesn't get it wrong, and we don't have the privilege or the responsibility or any authority to edit the true words that God has given. That's the end of my diatribe. <laughs> Till next time. Okay, 12th answer. <laughs> <laughs> this cracks me up. Number 12, polygamy weeded out the less committed members. <laughs> so this kind of goes back to the one last time where it produced more faithful members. Right. And this one is the, uh, the kind of on the opposite so let's, side. Let's observe weeds, this doctrine and weed out the people who can't hack it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, we can agree with that, too, That at least that part of it. Uh, the weeding out process, as she calls it, was actually the exit of those who could see that Mormons and polygamists were not living according to the will of God. Now, number 11 states that polygamy was good because it kept Mormonism in the spotlight. Bruce McConkie said this was a good purpose for polygamy. We quote, Bruce R. McConkie said, if plural marriage had served no other purpose than to sift the chaff from the wheat, than to keep the unstable and semi-faithful people from the fullness of gospel blessings, it would have been more than justified. <sighs> that makes no sense, but... Uh, it doesn't. The, what are the fullness of gospel blessings? Having to live in a household where you share your spouse? 
having, yeah, yeah, and according to them. whatever imagined eternal rewards that brings. Yeah, because the greater God you're going to be, the more wives you have, mm -hmm. the greater exaltation you get. The more kids you have, the easier it's going to be to populate your worlds. That's the greater blessings in the polygamy mindset. Right. So now yeah. we need to use polygamy to weed out the people who yeah, are going to stick it out long enough right, for that. Right, because people like me left, and, and so I wasn't worthy of remaining. You're a weed. <laughs> I'm a weed, yeah, right. In their garden, maybe. But <laughs> So we have to ask the question all over again. The pain and the loneliness and the poverty and the lovelessness that plural marriage suffers was justified just to keep the LDS church in the spotlight? I don't think so. She called it a harsh and arbitrary winnowing. We say it doesn't reflect who our God is. The next answer is one we've discussed several times in past shows because we've heard it so many dozens of times. Answer 13 is this. Except for polygamy, many of us would not be here. Okay, and, that, really? and I've heard it, yeah, I've heard it lots and lots of times. Well, I think I'd be here because God is not bound by man's discretions or indiscretions. <laughs> He's not bound by any of that. Uh, but the author makes this observation. And I love this. I, I, she's absolutely right about this. I'm sure that many beautiful children have been born as a result of every war that ever occurred, of rape, of all kinds of strange situations and terrible errors, none of which proves that war, rape, and terrible errors are good after all. Right. So, so th that is a good answer. It, it's a very good answer. The child who's conceived has no control and nothing to say or do about mm -hmm. the circumstances under which their birth took place. It's not. Of course, in the Mormon pre-existence. Uh, I know. <laughs> But she still has, her answer is still good. It's very true. Now, the Mormonism teaches the what they call agency, which supposedly describes the freedom to make their own choices, even while they're in the mythical pre-existent state. But even as a child, I had to adopt that truth. I would be taught that, and, and, and I questioned that I, in the pre-existent, that I would have been so stupid or masochistic to have chosen the family to be born in such abusive parents that I had. And, and Loveless, I doubted that agency idea very much. Strangely, the author writes this. But even though I personally reject polygamy as God commanded or as a higher form of marriage, I honor the lives and the commitment of our ancestors who did accept what they felt was a divine call to live that order. That's troubling. It's it very no troubling. Sense. Very you can't believe two two opposing ideas at the same time, right? And, and stay sane. And you don't <laughs> honor them for doing something that you regard as ungodly. Well, her whole book right. is written against this polygamy, and now she's honoring them for living it. Yeah, you're right. Um, any... Any believer in Mormonism that rejects something Joseph Smith claimed was a command from God must also reject Joseph Smith mm -hmm. as being a true prophet of God. God himself said a false prophet is known by his false prophecies, and it only takes one. You don't have to get to have it both ways. She complains about polygamy as well as many other generational LDS members do. Uh, they become highly complimentary. They're proud of their polygamist ancestry. Uh, but it can't be praiseworthy for them and wrong for you. Uh, 
Uh, polygamy is wrong today, according to the LDS Church, yet so many of them have nothing but praise for, uh, for their ancestors. Um, it, it was commendable for the women in pioneer Mormonism to be a lonely 10th or 14th or 25th wife, uh, raising their children alone, raising them in poverty, and, and they won't do it for themselves. It was okay for her Mormon's ancestors, but not okay for the Mormons to be faced with and forced to live that way. God is not a schizophrenic. Doing one thing that's crazy and saying it's good on one hand and not so good on the other. And she adds, quote, My eternal soul depends on no particular earthly circumstance. But it does. Our eternity depends completely upon what we do with Jesus while we are still in this earthly circumstance. It has nothing to do with polygamy or Mormonism and everything to do with what we do with Jesus and the earthly circumstance of his death on the cross. Is he just a stepping stone, a mere rung on your ladder to self-exaltation? Or do you know Jesus personally? The biblical Jesus, who is not our elder brother, but is God Almighty, the only existing God who created everything all by himself. Jesus, the only Savior and Redeemer of sinful humans. Yes, there is one thing, and it is the only thing, that our eternal soul is dependent upon, and it must be taken care of while on this earth. God said, today is the day of salvation. And now the final answer that she writes about, number 14. God commanded polygamy in the church to try his people, just as he commanded Abraham to sacrifice his son Isaac. Yes, the practice is unjust and sexist and hurtful, and there is no good way to defend it. But God gave it as a test of faith. What? Yeah, there we go with the, the with sense of this. They blaming God for so many ungodly things. It's, they don't see, I guess, mm. the discrepancies in this. Uh, but you know what? God has more to do to stay busy than to com contemplate hurtful ways to test people, his people. Uh, and the more difficult, they really, I mean, I was raised to believe that he was sitting up there thinking up all kinds of tests for us to see if we'd be faithful. And many, many of the tests were extremely miserable. As if he doesn't know you. Oh, right. The, the Bible says God knows those who are his. Right. He sees all the hearts right. of men. Right. That's not what he's doing. That's what they think he's doing. Right. And that's what polygamy was, one of those mm -hmm. tests. But we're not on this planet for probation as they teach. God has better things to do with his time than think up ways to making the, his lives of his people miserable. But about the answer, the author says, quote, I do not believe that the God of love works this way, end quote. And she is right. But earlier she praised the polygamy of her ancestors. Doesn't it matter that they were commanded to live their life of misery by the same God of love? Something's not connecting here. On this answer, polygamy is compared with the almost sacrifice of Isaac. Yet, as she clearly and honestly states, there was a reprieve with Isaac. But the early Mormons had no reprieve, and they were all commanded to live up to their privilege and have polygamous families. And the same is true with today's polygamists. There's no reprieve. She writes about one of Joseph's miswives who wrote that she was, quote, called to place herself upon the altar as a living sacrifice. Like I said, they accuse God of some very ungodly things. Pearson writes about another Mormon historian 
and a friend of hers, Larry, Larry Leonard Arrington, who told her he wanted to know everything about the history of the Mormon people. We quote from page 65. He said to me, the last word has not yet been said about why the Mormons practiced polygamy. I asked him to clarify that if he could. He said that every week the church loses members to fundamentalist breakoffs, and it's awkward because the things we say about them are merely the things the world was saying about Orthodox Mormons before the manifesto. There you got it. That's it. That's it. it. That's so true. And then we've maintained this all along that today's polygamists are more Mormon than today's Mormons are. Um, uh, that is orthodox polygamy. Walter Martin said, and I quote, the twitching corpse of Mormonism will have had its head cut off from its own archives, end quote. I thought that was pretty good. <laughs> pretty colorful. <laughs> Mormonism revives itself from time to time with renewed and revamped doctrinal changes, and their leader calls them adjustments. But we as Christians, we are glad that God doesn't make changes or adjustments. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's our anchor, the immovable and unchangeable rock. The only thing that doesn't change about Mormonism is that it is un- that it remains changeable constantly (laughs) that it will change so out of the archives of Mormonism that Walter Martin said uh, that testified to their changing world is a quote from Wilford Woodruff he was a polygamist he directed the manifesto to the Mormons to cease polygamy he was what they call a prophet of God look at what he said some have said that I was very presumptuous to say that this Brother Brigham was my God and Savior, Brother Joseph was his God, and one that gave Joseph the keys of the kingdom was his God, which was Peter. Jesus Christ was his God, and the father of Jesus Christ was Adam. <laughs> really? I thought the father of Jesus was God. <laughs> oh, but not, Adam was not, God. Adam was God. <laughs> Makes no he, sense. So was so Michael the Archangel, sense. Adam, by the way. Right. Well, <laughs> this just spins, you know. <laughs> it it just spins. Uh, the Millennial Star, which is a Mormon publication, volume 16, published a comment by Elder James A. Little after he heard what Wilfred Woodruff said. He said, I believe in the principle of obedience, and if I'm told that Adam is our father and our God, I just believe it. And I say... Who told you that? Your thinking's been done for you. Consider the source. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Of course, we should believe in obeying God rather than what a man says. Anyone can research their archives to discover their contradictory comments on polygamy and celestial marriage and and pre-existence and what is required for eternal life and so on. You'll discover that their own writings and scriptures and conference talks contradict each other. And of course, they do oppose the Bible most of the time. As we wind down this topic, we want want to remind our viewers that the name we chose for the program is Polygamy, What Love Is This? And we got it from the book of 1 John in the Bible. 1 John 3, 1 says, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called the sons of God. What manner of love God has for us Mm -hmm. is amazing. His love is 
unexplainable. It's immeasurable. It's so great. And 1 John 4, 16 tells us God is love. And verse 18 tells us that perfect love casts out fear. Now, when I was first putting all of this together, it caused me to ask the question, how could a God of love establish a means of salvation through polygamy, which does not reflect his love, but instead is cruel and miserable and causes immense fear? How could a polygamous culture continue in a teaching where God threatens to destroy any female who doesn't comply with the command to share her husband, while at the same time, the Bible testifies that God is love, that there is no fear in love. Well, it's impossible. The Mormon polygamous God is a false God. He is a mere idol of polygamous Mormons. So our title included the question, what love is this? Because polygamy certainly is not a reflection of the love of God. He could not be the author of polygamy. In her book, she writes this. Ultimately, I realized that either my belief in God or my belief in polygamy had to go. They were mutually incompatible. I was not capable of believing in the God of polygamy because he was no God I would ever want to worship. And that's true. That's absolutely true. Uh, and, and polygamy and the true God are incompatible. Mm -hmm. And yet... She honored her ancestors who lived something that her God couldn't command. I don't get it. Uh, now, now, many people escaped the polygamous God. I did. I ran from the polygamous God. And many people still do because he's a God they would never want to worship. Unfortunately, too many of them, when they do leave, they just throw it all away. They throw it all out. Rather than look for the God of love and mercy and grace and patience and redemption, the true God that we find described in the Bible. The same God who instituted monogamy, not polygamy. The same God who holds out his arms to each of us, inviting us to trust in his love. That is not the God of polygamy. So I hope and pray that this author does find the true God. This thing the she God says. Who loves. God who loves her. And gives himself, the God who so loved the whole world that right. he gave his only begotten son. Gave himself for us. Mm -hmm. And all he wants is us to give ourselves to him. Okay, well, that's, that's, there's lots that we can say about lots of things, but I hope we covered the main <laughs> bright points. <laughs> Thank you, Dorothy. You do so well at this, Doris. <laughs> when Jesus came, he brought grace and truth. He did not come to bring fear and judgment. The threat of God's destruction of females who don't comply with polygamy is opposed to the true loving character of God. When sinners approached Jesus, he did not condemn them, but he did condemn the religious leaders who went around condemning sinners. Religious leaders love to threaten their followers with the wrath of God if they don't obey their specific religious commandments. That's what, not why Jesus came. He came to set us free, not to burden us with works and laws and ordinances that are impossible to keep. He alone can save sinners, and we hope that you will submit to him and to his love and be saved by him through his grace because of his cross. Thank you for watching. This has been the audio podcast of Polygamy, What Love Is This? with host Doris Hansen. Polygamy, What Love Is This? is produced by A Shield and Refuge Ministry. More information on this program, including the video version of it, can be found at whatloveisthis.tv. If you have any questions or need help getting free from Mormon fundamentalism, write us at contact at shieldandrefuge.org. 
or call us at 1-800-877-425-9993.